0: Hi guys, this is High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker, and I'm very happy to be joined by the lovely, the hilarious Naomi McParagan.
1: Oh my God, Bri Bri, thank you so much. Thank you for
0: doing this on literally, I think this is the hottest day of the year.
1: Los Angeles is a cesspool. This heat is impossible. I can't like exist outside.
0: I know I I did not leave my house I have not left my house today because when you knocked on my door I realized my deadlock was still locked (laughs) so that means I did not leave the house this morning and I've been like a Los Angeles booster I feel like since I've lived here I've been very like pro LA yeah and maybe I'm just getting completely cynical in this past year but now I don't know I'm 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 veering more I don't hate it but This summer has been rough, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. I also think, it's funny, because I've been yelling, because, you know me, I was never on board, (laughs) but, you know, I kept yelling, it is not a dry heat! And I think the thing is, unfortunately, I think we have climate change to blame, because I think there's a time where everyone was like, it's a dry heat, it's never cold, it never rains, and literally, we had torrential rains all winter. It's now (laughs) become, like, a sweaty, sweaty... Warm. It's like a, a a damp desert.
0: Yeah, like the weather. I mean, I've been here for this will be six years this fall. The weather has definitely become more extreme since uh, yeah. since I've been here. And I mean, it's not as humid as like the East Coast. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. You're right. It's not dry. It's, it's still here. it's still like. There's a, a lingering sweat right, to the there heat. there
1: is. You know, the only good thing about L.A. is that I can keep my hair, my roots done straight. Yes. And now, this humidity coming through, it's like a waste. Don't even go to the salon, boy.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have to deal with that. My hair grows, well, it grows, like, straight. If I, if I grow it to my chin, mm-hmm. I'll do, it'll do, like, a Mary Tyler Moore flip. Oh, wow. Which is what rough. Fun. I have not had that since <laughs> eighth grade, and that was... Oh. Some, I mean, some braces. I was pretty chubby. It was oh. not a good oh, look. Oh,
1: and the hair was long. Oh. Long.
0: And, oh, and I like had bleached it, but not no. to the point of like bleach, bleach. So it was like sort of a red, and it was okay. just with hydrogen peroxide. So it was just like disgustingly dry. Oh. <laughs> I was. I was not cute, and I was trying to go for like a grunge oh, look, but I, I looked like were. a nerd. But I was trying to like wear flannel and have. It was. Oh my god.
1: Wow. Wow. It's very. I can't believe the adults in your life let you do that. I mean the hydrogen peroxide
0: yeah my I, my mother <laughs> was not a fan when she saw that I did that but I think it was sort of like I'm not gonna I mean he already did it so right right, right. it's been done yeah yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's been done so you just but when you do that I've never you know, I've never dyed my hair let alone the hydrogen peroxide way you just have to let that grow out huh you just uh, had to like have that for like yeah months. cut it yeah yeah, okay, yeah so
0: it, it was yeah it was like a, um sort of like a an not an auburn but like a, I'm you know, thinking
1: rust Is yeah, that wrong r- for yeah you think it was
0: rust and it just got so dry and then I remember the middle of my freshman year of high school, I rode my bike to like supercuts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I told them to just chop it off. <laughs> and I got home and I don't think I've ever seen my mom looked as like relieved <laughs> when I finally <laughs> cut it off.
1: Oh God, that's so funny. Yeah. She was I bet she had been hiding. Oh hiding sure, the I mean
0: she still is, <laughs> <laughs> as best as she can. She best she can. Uh, have you have you gone through lots of like hair journeys? I, I feel like you always have. Sort of I the know the same, same hair, yeah. you
1: know. And um, as my mother would say, it's like you gotta change up your hair. <laughs> She's like you. she literally is like your career would be better if you did different looks.
0: Oh, your mom yeah. gives you career advice. Yes,
1: it, it's always usually centered on my looks. physical appearance. Perfect. Yeah, yeah if great. I would just lose some weight and do different hair looks. I used to always wear braids mm. growing up. And it wasn't, in, and then I started to straighten my hair in high school. And then I would kind of toggle back and forth, because especially yeah. like at college, like, because I kind of like my braids are pretty much like, am I gonna be in a place where there are no black people who can handle Muscandol? Yeah. Like, I moved to Australia. Honey, I managed to find some Africans in Australia who did braid. Okay, okay. yeah, you got
0: Africans, you have the uh, native Australian people. Their hair is straight, straight, though. Oh, yeah, they don't oh, have, yeah. their
1: straight, their hair is not, uh, at least anyone I met, they didn't, their okay. hair was pretty straight. But um, it was, yeah, I found me some Africans good. up in Sydney, it was <laughs> like, you got to handle my scandal.
0: And they did a good job? They worked it yeah. out.
1: I mean, price is exorbitant. And I feel
0: like in LA, especially in this part of town, you probably have to search for good like black hair salons too, I mean,
1: you have to search. I think none of them are kind of in, it's like in the black neighborhoods of LA, which are farther out. And as you know, Brian, I have had a car for ages and my driving is delicate. I got a car a month ago.
0: I am so happy. So you and Andy are splitting a car.
1: Yes, Andy, my betrothed. We are splitting it, but right now he's doing the driving since
0: he has a I'm license Yo, yeah he's from the suburbs okay and like, he's yeah, been yeah, driving yeah. You
1: know, forever um and i don't know what i'm doing and but so you're taking driving
0: lessons which is that that's like scary and good that you're you're doing that
1: it is so i really have trouble turning the vehicle which is the basic <laughs> act of turning it, my turns are like too wide or and like i'm just like and then like i'm like not get, it's like i'm just weaving like i never kind of get into the lane i don't turn into the lane i'm supposed to be in
0: okay yeah i'm like always if like you're...
1: out and then have to kind of like <laughs> straighten back over and
0: that's scary because if cars are coming from another direction and yeah. you're like weaving between yeah. lanes. That's that's a recipe for disaster. Truly,
1: um, I give the impression that I am a drunk grandmother. That is it, because my speed is not quick either. No, no, no. So it is slow and wobbly. And you're thinking, someone better take that lady's license away from her. Well,
0: like you said off Mike, at least you're staying in the right lane. And that's, I think, a good place to stay while you're sort of a new driver.
1: On the highway, but then on the street, the right lane's the worst because you got those parked cars. And people just love to open their car door, willy-fucking-nilly.
0: Yeah, and then you have the bikers. Exactly. So then I want to get over, usually,
1: to, to avoid it.
0: But then in the left lane, you'll have people having to stop to make a left turn if there's no left turn. And that's rough, too. This is what I'm
1: saying. So, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how can I only go straight to get to everything I need? What kind of map setting do I need? Uh,
0: I mean, move around here, because you get... uh, This is a very local um, (laughs) (laughs) directions podcast, but... uh, you go down to Los Feliz and then you can take Los Feliz all the way. It just turns into Western and then you can go anywhere you want. You don't have to
1: really make many turns. Oh, thank God. Thank you for that hack. <laughs> I mean, this is literally going to be the way. I don't know if I'll ever, I really want to be comfortable driving, but I just, it makes me very anxious. Carlos keeps telling me, he's like, That's he's your like, driving he, instructor? Yes, Carlos is a driving instructor. I'm calling him Male Oprah. Carlos, like the way he talks about driving, Brian, he's literally like, He's like, your job is to make yourself known and be safe. And that is just like very general, very zen. That's and good then he advice, goes, though. And he goes, um, he was like, use your signal. You must, com- you must communicate to the other drivers your intentions. It's about communicating intention. And every now and then you may need to use your horn. I'm not saying sit on it. You tap it to say, I am here. Let yourself be known. So I he's- was like, what is this book, this guide to life? Through driving,
0: this is great. He's like the Marianne Williamson of driving instructors.
1: <laughs> he is turning his brain towards moving the hurricane.
0: I mean, this, that must be a very LA thing of like a, a Zen, New Age driving instructor. But
1: it's it's better to be for him to be calm, like exactly, that than to be freaked out. Exactly. He's like very chill, and then you know, obviously, he can control. He's got the um gas and the brake, also on his side, and so there'll be times where he'll be like, he'll like. Like, you need some more juice. And he'll like, you know, tap on the gas a little bit or he'll like break. And then today I was like, Carlos, don't you put your foot on that brake. I got it. And <laughs> I just started telling him, I see you hovering. And he's like, it's my job. I go, Carlos, I will stop the car. Oh At the light. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have to trust me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean you'll build that trust with him. And yes. then like the first few and I, I had driven as a teenager, but mm-hmm. I, I like I moved to New York to go to college and I didn't drive for fifteen years. The first three or four months I was living here, I was I was terrified. Yeah. But then you just become used to it and now I'm like the shittiest, like most aggressive LA driver and I love it because I feel invincible.
1: Yeah, that's what I want. I want to feel that power. I want to feel the power Mm. of a teenager getting their fucking permit. You know what I mean? When they're like, I can go anywhere now and like Mm. me, I'm like, I'm gonna kill us all. You know? You'll get there. I'll get there. I'll figure it out.
0: Uh, So Naomi, what, is have you been watching lately? Like this summer, I and mean, there's not that much on are, movies are sort of shitty TV I know. Some good No, I mean
1: well, you know we're doing pose, came back.
0: Oh my God. I this is she's not gonna listen to, so I can say. I was at a party <laughs> yeah. and MJ Rodriguez was there.
1: Oh my I
0: god. You met her? I met what was she was like? So beautiful, first of all. Naturally. And tiny, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so sweet. And like you know how sometimes if you go to a party and there's like a celebrity there either they'll sort of stand in the corner and like not socialize yeah. or MJ did the opposite where she was so sweet as soon as John and I walked in she stood up from the couch and she went to shake our hands and she what? said hi I'm MJ what? like knowing Wait, were you at like an intimate gathering? Uh it, it was a friend of ours is doing a play with her. Okay. So it was like half the cast of the play and yeah. then half just random stragglers. Yeah. Um so it was pretty small.
1: Oh wow. Uh, but oh, yeah, she was wow. lovely. Oh, that makes me so happy. I feel like she is. I
0: um, love her. So you're caught up with pose.
1: I am one episode behind okay. because I try Andrew and I try to watch it together. Yes. Let's so take it a little that's bit longer. That's one of the few shows that John and I watch together, too. Yeah, yeah. it's like a good couple show. Yeah. You know what? I decided couple shows and I okay, my thing with the shows is because there's so many shows. And if you have, if you, unless your schedule stays the same every week, then like you're not gonna be able to watch them together Never. at the same time. Yeah. So the question is, is you're deciding and triaging what are the couple shows? What are the shows I'm gonna have to break on? You away? gotta
0: pick like two or three at Thank most. Thank you. Yeah.
1: You gotta limit it. But to me, it's about the shows that take you on an emotional roller coaster where you wanna be like, oh my God, can you believe? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, pose is one of those where it's like you wanna talk about it, Absolutely, you know, during yeah. the break and you wanna talk about it afterwards. So it's good to have a person. So we do Pose, we do Baskets.
0: Oh, I'm like a season behind on Baskets, but I love it.
1: You gotta, uh, you know, I mean, Louie Anderson is- So genius. For me, Louie Anderson is the show now. You know, uh, Mama Baskets storyline and that journey is what I care about the most.
0: I mean, Louie Anderson is doing something, like, it reminds me of uh, Divine's Put Upon Housewives from the 80s, -hmm. like that character- Louis like at that same level. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. But it's so interesting. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't when the show first came out, I didn't see a lot of conversation around it. No. Around him as a straight cis guy playing a woman. And like, but to me, I'm like, and, and not that I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I was just surprised that in our culture of like outrage mm-hmm. and with with a rightly so renewed focus on representation that people weren't, mad about it.
0: I believe if cause this is what, four or five years old the first season. Yeah, I like do three, believe four. if it started now there would be some conversation. Yeah. Which is definitely a, a valid yeah. conversation yeah, 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 to yeah. have. But also like when you're that good it's hard. It's tough. I know.
1: Well, it's another thing too. Cause I'm like, well, to me, I'm like, is it, is why it's okay? Because he does play that character so grounded. Yeah, so there is totally no straight. joke. Mm-hmm. The joke is not, it is Louis Anderson as a mom. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. not what we're looking at. You
0: forget you that, that totally it is a, a cis male playing a, I mean, right. Yeah.
1: And they, and they let him and they let mama baskets. But I say him meaning Louis Anderson, his character is in a relationship with a man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, have you gotten there? Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's like the <laughs> the guy from Colorado, yeah, and exactly. he goes, yeah, and that actor's great too because he's so low key. It,
1: right, right, right. Um,
0: and they're so they're still together. This yeah. okay, cool.
1: But it's you know it's so um, you know I just I'm like they just play they play, play it real, and yeah. so you're like, oh okay, I like that. So I feel like it's a lot of pose and baskets, and then personally. Speaking of camp, I'm watching CW shows on Netflix. Ooh. I am unwinding with The Arrow.
0: Okay. Which,
1: <laughs> which apparently is seven seasons, 23 episodes each.
0: So you got a lot of work cut out. I got for a me. lot
1: to do. But it's also like, I'm doing, I'm like watching it while I'm doing other stuff, or like I'm kind of playing it to kind of put me to sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's very, you know... I don't know, when you watch a show, and especially knowing it has seven seasons, right? So I'm like, okay, none of you are dying. So none of the, the storylines I'm never really too, like, worked up about. Yeah. Because I know, I'm like, well, I know this goes on for another five years. So it's, yeah, so it's pretty
0: low stakes. You can, like, wind down.
1: Yeah, you can kind of watch. And you know CW, everyone's, like... Beautiful. Everyone's gorgeous. It's always, like... It's, for me, I'm like, most of them are just, like, models that someone taught to read.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> know? Enough. And, like, and
1: you're like, yeah, it's, like, it's like almost... In an ASMR way, maybe I'm sort of soothed by the CW actors' line reading.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's funny. I like never wind down with a scripted drama because I don't. Well, I don't watch any like the superhero shows, and I I watched like the first season of Riverdale, Mm -hmm. and I watched the first couple seasons maybe of Jane the Virgin, Mm -hmm. and they're good shows, but there's so many episodes. Yeah, I just like couldn't keep up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, when I like to truly wind down, to for me it has to be. Housewives oh. or the the reboot of 90210 this this season or the summer is yeah. just, I mean, it is, is it? brilliant. Really? It is so much funnier than it needs to be. And it's, I, I mean, you sort of have to be a fan of the first one, but it's like, it's knowing and they all have a sense of humor about themselves. I love it.
1: Well, explain it because this is the thing. I was kind of curious, but you know, I watched the first one, but not too much. I'm not that interested in wealthy whites, Brian. No. So initially, like when the show first came out, like I kind of watched, but I wasn't like invested in their drama. You know, what I mean? I'm thinking, yeah. like, you know, Donna Martin graduates. I remember that. Um, I remember thinking it's so funny that Andrea is so old <laughs> at the time, and, then and now, now she's even older, even older, but also like looking great. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like now, I'm like Absolutely. for someone who was like ten years older than everybody at the time, you're flawless now. Yeah. So I'm like Gabrielle Carteris, do it. Um, but. I hear the show now, they're all on it. They're playing them their real life selves talking about the characters?
0: Yes, they're playing a version of themselves trying to mount a reboot of 90210. <laughs> so the show was created by Tori Spelling and Jenny yeah. Garth. And so they're, it's like Tori trying to get the gang back together okay. to pitch Fox to do a 90210 okay. reboot. And they implement like different actual sort of tabloid fodder from all of their lives, and then you also see them play their old characters. So it's sort of like a Curb Your Enthusiasm, Interesting. okay? But I mean,
1: a Gary Shandling, Larry Sanders yes, yes, situation, yes, yes,
0: yes, okay. Uh, but like okay. not not as smooth as that. But um, for someone who was a big fan, and I, I'm not proud of this, but I do love watching things about wealthy whites, <laughs> like to probably my detriment. <laughs> But yeah, I loved it when I was a kid, and so it's just—it's just like comforting for me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, But you're from California too.
0: Yeah, but from Northern California, like no connection. Okay, absolutely not. It's
1: funny because oh, you know what else we just we just started watching, which I hadn't seen at the time. But this is what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, I think obviously given our political climate, maybe I like don't have the patience for it the way I used to. Watching Veronica Mars. Oh original so haven't yeah, so I've never just, seen any of it exactly I me mean, neither so the idea was to watch the beginning and then watch this new season that came out um and I really have problems with it it's okay. about a fancy town like a rich kid a rich people town called Neptune okay the town's called me- Neptune her name is Mars are we over it yeah, I think at one point she drives a Saturn <laughs> I mean and she and uh, her and her, her dad are like They're the wrong side of the tracks. He was the former sheriff who was disgraced. And she's like this, um, you know, budding PI who like uses her blonde hair and cute face to trick everyone. Like, it's amazing how... Easily, she is able to get into homes and get information, uh-huh. like she because she's a pixie.
0: And they don't <laughs> explore the privilege of her being like a white blonde woman being able to do all this
1: stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But the whole thing is like, I'm poor, but then like she's in love with a rich guy. Like all her rela- her okay. relationships are like with the rich boys. Like she's like a couple, you know, like back and forth in high school drama. Yeah, yeah. But it's like they're the rich boys, and it's like that Mars girl, and the other <laughs> parents like don't have it. And I'm just like. And I'm just like now, and then they have of course a Mexican gang, and then oh boy. You know, and it's like and like the rich white guys like beat up the Mexican kids, and this, and this. like it's and then the Mexican kids is like well he stole from me, and it and it was just kind of like and then there are times I'm just like this was written, this had to have been written by an old white man. Yeah, everyone's kind of the simplest versions of themselves. Interesting, you know, but I don't know because I'm like if I had watched it back then, you know, like I I was a Buffy stan, I was into like I watched so much TV, I'm like would I've loved it back then.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you're forced to like uh, have a more critical eye, which is like good that we're able to talk about this stuff now and and hopefully like change some of the problems of representation. And I've heard like the new season does have a slightly okay. more diverse cast. I know. I mean, there's some couple
1: of black people. Tessa yeah. Thompson's in it. Oh, I yeah. will tell you this for Veronica Mars, whoever that casting director was. They knew talent. Yeah, it's amazing how many people were on that show. Even as like Jessica Chastain For real is in a fucking episode. Wow. just one. So like even the like day player like the people yeah, they yeah. get like there's almost someone you recognize in every episode. That's so cool. And so I was like, whoever did that, genius.
0: It's like Murder She Wrote.
1: Truly,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're always gonna recognize the guest star. <laughs> uh, well, we've procrastinated enough. It's 20 minutes into it. Let's start talking about um, a movie called a movie in quotes called. <laughs> Rock Hudson's home movies. Naomi, I sent you a list of 406 <laughs> movies. Why did you choose this one?
1: It's funny. So obviously I scroll through the list. Um, totally um, shocked and confused by how long <laughs> it's the list was. So I was like, wow, what a document. And, you know, there were some things like I, you know, I, I also wanted to just what what I knew I could access like quickly and easily. There were a couple of things I did. I did want to see, but there were more things that I had already seen. Yeah. So I was like, I remember liking that movie. I'll watch that. And then this one, Rock Huston's own movies. I had not, you know, I'd never seen it before. I kind of didn't know too much. I know about him and some of his movies. So I was just, I was like, let me do something I have never seen before and kind of come in a little cold. Yeah. Um, and see if it illuminated anything about the man, the myth, the legend, that is Rock Hudson.
0: And it sort of did, in a way. Did it, Well, okay. question mark? Let's uh, tell the audience a little bit about what this movie is. It's very hard to explain. Um,
1: it is, t- it is uh, categorized as a documentary. Um, I would disagree, go on.
0: It, well, I, I think <laughs> it's like um, a, an ancestor of the YouTube video. It's like it's like a YouTube video before there was YouTube. So it's it's basically clips. There's no new footage, yep. Except for and this is okay. So it's directed yep. by a guy named Mark Rappaport, who the whole time I watched the movie, I thought he was the dude that was Rock Hudson.
1: Yes, they did not. They do not make it clear. I literally rewatched the first couple minutes to be like, wait a second, no, no, no. Eric Farr is Eric the Farr. man.
0: <laughs> Who has no online presence. I have no idea what no up No other credits, to. can't
1: find him, don't uh, know what's going on.
0: He, so he's like a, he's sort of a, you know, attractive young man, but not in the same way as Rock Hudson. No, no. And not, he's not like a terrible actor, but he's stiff in front of the camera. He's
1: flat and, fl- and yeah. stiff yeah. Yeah. and okay, so maybe personality-less. A <laughs> but, I'm a, but then I'm also like, how could that have been the direction? It had to have been because there's no variation in it,
0: right? No. And he is sort of playing. So it's 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 fake. The narration is fake diary entries from a now deceased Rock Hudson talking about his own life from beyond the grave, set against a bunch of clips from his old movies. And the attempt is to illuminate the gay subtext in all of his films. In all of his films, yes.
1: And, yeah, and <laughs> you got you cannot see that Brian is like truly grasping for how to explain what is happening in this,
0: and yeah, I think the, the best way to explain it is like if a fan did a YouTube collage of their favorite artist, this would sort i mean this has a little bit more of like a thesis statement than just like a straight up collage, yeah, but it is, and um and you know the clips are we also watched or I watched at least it on a very bad YouTube transfer, okay, and so I don't know like the the clips were sort of blurry. Um, The narration was too long for the clip. So a lot of times there would be narration and then the clip would just sort of like freeze Mm -hmm. while the guy finished saying what he needed to say.
1: Well, I watched it on Amazon prime video and that was still the case Yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of like some of the transfers being like unclear. Well, I bet he used
0: a VH, just a VHS copies and like spliced it together himself. Yeah. He
1: had to have. And then literally just was like, Eric, stand in front of this green screen and say all this over a course of a single day. Right. Yeah. yeah,
0: No, Uh, I mean, it must've taken him a long time to like edit it together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah weird weird movie and i'm tr- i try to like put myself in that place of this this so this came out in 1992 mm-hmm. which was 7 years after rock hudson died obviously rock hudson was the first major celebrity to uh to at least publicly die of aids and and unfortunately um well fortunately and unfortunately but sort of changed uh the conversation and um it was the first it was the first time that the public saw uh someone that they loved and felt a connection with succumb to succumb to AIDS and it I I, I assume it it changed a lot of people's views of 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 who and what are are the victims of this horrible disease Mm -hmm. Um, and then this movie I I guess like finding gay subtext in old movies now seems so like uh,
1: basic yeah yeah I was (laughs) like excuse me I'm not familiar (laughs) with French (laughs) so basic Uh, basic. yeah
0: and but I. I imagine in the early nineties maybe this was sort of revelatory uh for a certain generation of gay men that maybe were doing this amongst themselves and pointing things out, but and I don't know like what if this movie reached a big audience
1: at well, the time. I know. I tried to find something about it. I didn't get no sense that it was screened anywhere or like had a run. No. But see the thing about it is I think you're right though, like What's interesting to me is because I think they are doing something that is a little silly and a little basic. I think even in the 90s, as you said, though, it's something maybe people were doing kind of in conversation or um, in a community, but not as a movie. But what killed me about that, though, for that very reason, it was so humorless. For something like where you're literally playing us clips about what you think. I mean, to have your narrator be so flat and so... um, Affectless and almost monotone at times, where you're just like, where you're just like, okay, are you like trying? He, he's like trying to make it heavier and more pointed than it needed to be. Yeah, he was doing
0: a, sort of like a noir detective character Thank a little you, bit. Thank you, that's a much better description. Um, and and I again, I don't know Eric Farr. I don't know what he's like in real life. To me, I mean, maybe this is my own. Uh, internalized homophobia, to me, he seemed like a gay man trying to play very butch for the camera and not quite succeeding, which I guess is sort of, well, Rock Hudson did succeed at at seeming very butch most of the time, Yeah. but that was sort of the meta context for how I was watching it because I was putting myself, because I I love old movies and I love uh, finding gay subtext and that's really (laughs) fascinating to me. And I was just thinking of like, oh, if I made this movie myself, I would probably come off as... Silly as he was try if I was trying to play it like super Humphrey Bogart Butch, like like i i I saw the struggle in yeah. him and that yeah. made me uh feel a little I guess sympathetic towards him,
1: yeah, i I mean he was trying to do that I think it also was like he looked very young, yes to very me. young, and so I thought, okay, if you're supposed to be in the in a, again posthumously read diary, give me somebody in his sixties. do you know what I mean like give me somebody who's gonna at least if he's supposed to be kind of inhabiting some of rock Hudson's thoughts. After he's died. And he died at, what, 60-something, uh, right? He was,
0: like, just before 60th birthday. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. like,
1: give me somebody who's in that age range. Yeah. Like, find me that, like, that weathered old man who's doing catalog work.
0: I mean, I, am- I have to imagine it was just... He was the boyfriend of the director. Oh my god.
1: Okay, I was I was thinking it, I wanted to say it, but then I was scared that I was gonna be wrong. No, yes! no, I, I mean like, that's like, what we're all doing. I, like, yeah. I, like, I was like, Mark was just like, Eric, I'll put you in one of my pictures. Yeah. And then <laughs>
0: Thank <laughs> was, you, Daddy. Thank you.
1: It's like I love you, Daddy. <laughs> and then the, like he was just like, Let's be You're just gonna talk in Rock Hudson, and then he's like, sexier, Eric. Yeah, but he wasn't Dude. like doing
0: a Rock Hudson impression. No, at not all. at all.
1: Not at all but you're gonna read as though you're him. Oh God, I couldn't take, this is a very brief documentary, I believe an hour and three minutes. I mean, did not need to be another minute. (laughs) Did not need to be another minute longer, but honestly, if you are so inclined, it is on Amazon Prime, as well as YouTube. And there's a part, I forget the name of the movie clip, all about fish that was the
0: best part that's that <laughs> out of all of rock hudson's movies that was the one where i was like oh i need to see this movie i know it was called like man, like man's favorite sport or something uh-huh. okay, and it was yes. it was all about a fisherman who hates fish yeah and that was supposed to be like code for he doesn't like women yeah uh, which is completely misogynistic in and of itself uh and who knows what the intent of that movie was but it seemed gross that like they kept making like fish jokes. Exactly, he and was like, was like he's like,
1: F- at one point, the, er- the narrator, he's like, fish, do you get it? <laughs> Don't try, you shouldn't have to try that hard. But like, that's what he was He kept to. doing that with everything. We're like, yes, we get he's, it. Like, literally we get it. We're watching this because we get it. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Like, if you are already watching, you get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, no one is
0: like going into this movie who doesn't get it. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm like, so that's, I think that's the thing about it because if any anybody who's going in you're watching this specific collection of clips to talk about the man because you know his history or you want to know more about his history so to me it was like a little just too on the surface
0: yeah cuz i also have like an issue i mean and maybe there there was some behind the scene like stuff and you know obviously people in hollywood like knew rock hudson was gay but i have a hard time thinking that like all of his movies were elaborate jokes played on him to like him which is sort of the like the thesis statement of um of this movie
1: i know that was definitely like to me i was like that's a bit of a stretch to think like back in 1956 everyone was like we're gonna get him and tease him and make the world think he's not a man yeah and like because also yeah, had the opposite effect do you know what i mean like it was not you know nobody at the time at, le- at least what we know right like there weren't really big um, efforts to out him, no, him destroy were, him. There were in like any way.
0: tabloid stories that were they're quickly squashed, and it was in everyone's interest, like the studio, the other actors, Rock Hudson himself, to keep quiet. Right, like no one, everyone was sort of on the same page. Right,
1: right. And so I'm just like, why are you like? So then to think that he's in, he's doing all these movies, and he's sexless on like they, meaning he's making the character sexless yeah is it what he kind of implied in certain in certain things or some of the lines? yeah i
0: guess like that the, the the movies were constantly trying to emasculate his characters yes. uh and it was sort of this juxtaposition with this this very virile hunky looking man and then some implied uh effeminacy and and I don't think that that's a hundred percent false because like some of the clips, the whole section of the movie where it was apparently him like cruising the other actors in the movie, oh. most of them I it was seemed silly. But there was, I, and maybe I'm reading into it now, but like there was a few clips where I'm like, oh yeah, there are there is some sort of sexual tension between him and his male co stars that maybe was. How,
1: uh, was that the same as the whole section of clips about how it's like always him and an old no, it's different from him and the older men. Yeah. And then also the one he's like, he's like, what is this butterball doing asking for my number? Like there's he, Rock Hudson is in a scene with a male actor who is like, Give me your number, I'll give you information. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then our narrator, Rock Hudson, from the grave, looks at the actor and is like, Why does that butterball want my number? Yeah, so he was so both like
0: like cruising other guys and then like shaming people who are less attractive than him to, for like, for being attractive. I don't know, for being attracted. Well, exactly,
1: and then especially, cause here's another thing that kinda killed me. Again, so I think we've all seen Talk Soup. Oh yes. If you're gonna have a clip, give me a goddamn lower third with the movie title and date. Oh my date. God, I know. So he's doing all these clips, and to me it felt a little too cherry picked, in that you were getting just exactly the couplet you know what I mean, of lines yeah. or sequence without the context of the movie. There was
0: no context to any movie. And like you said, no, no t- so people from our generation exactly. that might be not so familiar with all these Rock Hudson movies, yeah. we have no idea. And they would keep going back to the same clips too yeah. because they really didn't have enough clips even to fill an hour-long movie. <laughs> uh, and so, the, yeah, the sections, and they're, they're sort of, and again, there, there's no formal delineation between these sections, but I'm looking at the, the yeah, Wikipedia yeah. entry. Yeah, it says first there are tenuous and unresolved relationships with women, then clips of Rock with men cruising and circling, then there are uh, there is pedagogical eros, which is Hudson with older men, and then Rock is seen with his male sidekicks, often Tony Randall, who were basically the more effeminate actors that were put. Next to Rock Hudson to make him seem more masculine, which seems to be going against the whole thesis statement of the movie right. that that is Hollywood was trying to out him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also um, there's also something like they don't want to discuss. Mark Rappaport does not want to discuss sort of the female gaze in this. Like, there's so m- a lot of these moments that he kind of describes as the sexuality between two men. To me, I think was for the for the women's consumption. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Back in the 50s yeah, and 60s, yeah, yeah. it's like, give them rock without a shirt. I mean, obviously, uh, if, if, uh, gay male, gay men happen to enjoy it, but I don't think that's what they were planning. Like, They weren't planning for that audience. No. They were like, how do we make women excited? And then also, how many love stories are about like the perennial bachelor whose mind is changed?
0: For sure, like literally every romantic yeah, and, like comedy.
1: Literally everyone. So like even back then, so when they say his unresolved issues with women, and they show a bunch of clips, you know, really where it's like, him either saying, I'm not married, or I don't have a girl, or I can't do this, you know, with whatever woman he's uh, in the scene with. And I'm like, yeah, that's how they all start.
0: Yeah, yeah. now. It's like a man who can't be tamed. Right. And the woman Like, that's the plot of every single romantic <laughs> yeah. comedy. Uh, and I think that's, that's a really good point because, like, I mean, there there was, a, I mean, a small gay audience that liked to see Rock Hudson without a shirt on. But, yeah, these movies were made for women, like, yeah. and they weren't directed by women, but <laughs> uh, but like Douglas sirk movies, um, and uh, uh, bu- 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 not William Wyler, who was the other director that we talked about a lot? I forget, Wilder, was it Billy Wilder, perhaps? Yeah, um, those were, yeah, like all of these, you know, Pillow Talk and Magnificent Obsession, these were movies that were by and large for a female audience, and yeah, th- I think a- there's a lot of like unfortunately, like gay male misogyny that, that, uh, wants to take (laughs) men's bodies and claim them as their own and not, not let like women have, um, a sex drive or agency. And it's like, it could be both. You don't need to like choose one or the other. Um, right. But yeah, I find that a little troubling that I was just erasing, like you said, the female gaze.
1: Yeah, especially back in the 50s. What, what else did a girl have?
0: No, I mean. She had
1: Rock Hudson. Yeah, she had no. like
0: Benzedrine uh, <laughs> and Rock Hudson. Exactly, that's the only thing
1: getting me Maybe a little
0: nip of sherry at the end of the night. <laughs> a but, nip of sherry. Um, and okay, so this movie, we're I think sort of on the same page. It's an interesting document, but maybe a product of its time and not, not quite a successful movie.
1: I wouldn't even call it an interesting document, okay. okay? Because because I think it is such a narrow view, meaning, again, you don't contextualize the films. You also are giving me this. Like, what did you think? I didn't find the framing of a narrator as Rock Hudson to be helpful in any way.
0: It was confused and confusing, because, yeah, first he, and I thought, oh, did they find, like Rock Hudson's actual diaries. And and I was like, no, this is all in the director's mind. So then I felt it was sort of insulting to Rock Hudson because they're putting words in his mouth in a way that they're not honest about the fact that this is basically a work of fiction. They're presenting it as, as a documentary. And who knows what the fuck he would have had to say.
1: Which is why, if anything, it would have actually been more interesting to have the actual director talking about his process of, Finding and experiencing these clips and talking about them with people and something like that instead. Yeah. Instead of putting up the wall of this, like, narrator, AKA your BF, um, in the movie, you know, and maybe they, they weren't doing that with documentaries in the 90s, the way I feel like now it's like half the time, like, the director shows up and is like, this is now my journey. For sure. You know? Which
0: I think that's a problem, <laughs> so, too. Oh, um, yeah. But definitely. yeah, I don't th- yeah, I think that was not done as much. Then. They
1: weren't doing that. But I think if you are going to entirely construct the meaning, through voiceover not even like kind of the footage you have i mean the, i mean the footage obviously has the innuendo but i'm like yeah, yeah. you're overlaying it entirely with words that you've made up i'd almost rather you just talk
0: yeah like be <laughs> be honest and be like oh this this these movies meant this to a specific gay audience um and then have people who who uh, got something from that innuendo or, f- right. or felt seen in a way that they never felt seen before instead of uh putting it all like in the in, the intention of the filmmakers which i think is just a big stretch.
1: Right, because there is something to be said for again as you said this is 7 years after he's died of aids and is a public face. There is something you know interesting in saying okay, this person who was so beloved who the world really didn't know did all this work and now let's look at that work through the lens of how he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of get there a little bit towards the end, you know. A little bit. But I'm like the, even if that had been framed that way, it would have given a little more clarity or oomph.
0: Yeah. And it, it's a shame because Rock Hudson did have like this amazing career and really interesting life story and very, you know, very sad death. Um, but he was able to like change a lot of minds mm-hmm. through, I mean, unfortunately like nothing that he really did just unfortunately his circumstances. Yeah. Um, and, And what the one thing I got from this movie is wow, there's a lot of Rock Hudson movies that I haven't seen and and should watch. I know, there's so many. Like All That Heaven Allows and Giant. I've never even seen Pillow Talk. See, I'd seen Pillow Talk,
1: All That Heaven Allows. um, And then um, I hadn't seen the one about fishing. No, I don't think many people have. I know, I've seen like three of them. But again, like it's amazing how many there are. Yeah.
0: And he was like the top actor in a few years in the late 50s and early 60s. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I didn't know he was on Dynasty.
0: That was his last role. And there was a big um, sort of scandal because apparently during the kissed. filming of Dynasty, yeah. kid, kissed Linda Evans after knowing
1: he had been diagnosed with AIDS and apparently not telling her, yeah. which is a
0: fake fucking
1: controversy because you can't get AIDS well, for kissing exactly. anyone. Well, you But you know, back in 1981, they were like, don't sit on toilets, oh, don't God. touch anyone, so.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's really sad that he... I guess like a month before he died, he finally sent, I was gonna say an email, but there was no, <laughs> he sent a letter to someone sort of confessing, it was like a, an AIDS charity that he was asked to speak yes. at, and he said uh, that he had it, but he was never able to um, be public about it mm-hmm. until until after his death. And then weirdly, uh, Amistad Maupin, who's the oh, writer yeah. of Tales of the City, yeah. sort of outed him?
1: Yeah. I remember like, in an article or something, yeah. right? in an interview.
0: Which, yeah, I'm sort of conflicted about because like I I don't think outing anyone is ever really a good idea, but I could see at, at the height of the AIDS crisis when literally, you know, all of your friends are dying mm-hmm. and you feel like if this does go public maybe it will save people's lives. Yeah. I could I could see how that you, yeah. you have sort of a moral quandary about yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, like he he was only nominated for one Oscar in his whole career, Giant with James Dean and Elizabeth Taylor uh and then he was sort of uh, you know a leading man for a few years in all of the he was in like 13 Douglas Circ movies um but then when he got a little older he sort of had the the career arc of um how I would more think of an actress to have mm-hmm. how he got a right, little older right he had 10 and, good years yeah. and then as he got
1: older they were like we don't know what to do with you cuz i think was his first like acting gig was he already like 28 29 and then he like starred in something he might have been like 30 31 yeah, did that makes any sense. So it's like he he had like maybe ten to twelve years.
0: Yeah, he was working a lot, and then I think Magnificent Obsession in nineteen fifty four was his first sort of star making oh, role. Okay. Um, and then and then through the late fifties he did uh, All That Heaven Allows, Giant, Written on the Wind, um, the remake of A Farewell to Arms, and then Pillow Talk in nineteen fifty nine, and then trying to find this fish movie it seems to have been erased from his imdb no, no it couldn't have been well. but not yeah well. uh yeah but like during the the 70s and 80s he was doing a lot of tv and then and then dynasty he played heather lochler's father on dynasty which is
1: what? interesting that's amazing
0: um but yeah a lot of those sort of classic movie stars went to tv barbara stanwick was uh that was like her last role it was on one of those nighttime soaps and um but yeah, like Rock Hudson never he was sort of too good-looking and maybe there was some homophobia too. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it was more sort of his era was like that square-jawed guy and then once the 60s happened, uh movie stars just became very different.
1: I was going to say it's also just acting became different. Yeah. The idea of what was good and what wasn't, you know. I think I mean you look back on those, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, Douglas Sirk with his high melodrama where it is like all on the face, and mm. all like you know, what I mean? at a, you know, at kind of a ten. Even in the smallest moments, I just wonder if that became a shift. You know, once you kind of hit the seventies. I mean, late sixties, obviously. Yeah, like yeah. the Seventies, eighties. We're like, now we're getting a little more like slice of life, a little muted. Give me Altman, totally. You know what I mean? You, and then like, they're like, I need and, you to stop. Uh, making it's
0: actor studio and all that. Because even in Giant, you have you have Rock Hudson and James Dean, who I think were only a few years apart in age, mm-hmm. but it was like they were from totally different generations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, and then yeah, you had like uh, Dean and, and Montgomery Clift and Marlon Brando, sort of bridging the gap. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and then you have. Peter Fonda and uh, Robert Redford, Dennis Hopper, uh, yeah. Al Pacino—all these people were just right. And now,
1: different. and now, like you know, it's not about being so hot; it's about being a little rugged, little dangerous, little Totally, dirty.
0: And I would argue they're the hottest of all. Hello, give me give me an Elliot Gould.
1: <laughs> give me oh my God. give me a
0: young Dustin Hoffman. Zaddy Gould yeah. <laughs> in the seventies.
1: I like literally saw oh some picture. I was it's like, oh, um, goodbye. I was oh. like, Jesus. Could Elliot get it?
0: That's when my like Jewish blood rises to the top, <laughs> the top and I'm like, oh yes.
1: Oh, I know. Who are our, like hot Jewish actors now? I think Adam Driver's
0: like hot half Jewish, perhaps.
1: I'm sorry, I don't concur. Oscar
0: Isaac maybe like a quarter Jewish.
1: Nah, that ain't gonna count. Like who are like the not quarters? I'm talking about who are our present-day ghouls?
0: Jesse Eisenberg?
1: No, he doesn't play. He doesn't no. play sex objects. No, no, no. The only thing I can think of, and he's like a little bit older than us, Mark Feuerstein.
0: I don't even know how that is.
1: Look him up. Okay. Royal Pains, oh. the recent CBS comedy Nine JKL. He's like a Jewish boy, but he's like I'm like hot and can get it.
0: I will look it up. Uh, one of my favorite Jewish sex objects is um who he was the guy he was on he was like a child actor who was in. Adam's family values as Christina Ricci's Shh,
1: love interest. I have this for you. I have this for you. Um, I used to love him too. Oh, oh no! Now I don't have it. And he was just he's recently numbers the show numbers. Yes, which he was I just I recently
0: on the Deuce. He had some. He had uh, gained weight because of some um, medication medication, thing, medication thing, thing, and now he's lost again. He's gorgeous, and I'm looking I I up the IMDb, and, and he, he is my favorite David Crummles. David
1: Crummles. David Crummles. I knew it would come to me if I didn't let go.
0: Now, that's a hot chew.
1: Hello. No. I'm with you on
0: that. Uh, um, what else do we have to say? Okay, so I just added my notes AIDS. That was my <laughs> note. <laughs> Great, Brian. Really good. good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely AIDS. an academic. Oh, before, let's. Um, read every episode of high camp i read an excerpt from the original paul rowan review of the movie we're talking about if this is the first episode of high camp you're listening to i have stolen the name of this podcast from a duo of books uh from the 90s written by an amateur film critic and professional librarian from duluth Duluth, minnesota paul rowan and what does he have to say about rock hudson's home movies As the title indicates, this is a film that overtly takes gay camp as its subject. Essentially, it's an assemblage of snippets from classic Rock Hudson vehicles of the 50s and 60s, taken out of context and put together in such a way as to bring out their gay subtext and thereby relate the secret saga of Hudson's covert life and career. Hudson provides narration from beyond the grave. The voice belongs to actor Eric Farr. The film is particularly strong in its depiction of Rock's less than satisfying relationships with women. We watch as his amatory ambiguity and emotional equivocation stymie uh, such diverse leading ladies as Dorothy Malone, Lauren Bacall, Martha Heyer, Jane Wyman, Liz Taylor, Julie Andrews, and of course, especially, inevitably, Doris Day the fictive rock of this movie speculates that the hollywood powers that be were actively seeking to out him by placing him in questionable on-screen situations and i must admit that the wealth of documentary material presented herein would seem to confirm this view confronted with such profusion it's hard for me to select my favorite clips there's jennifer jones blithely urging rock to go downtown and find himself some gay young playmate there's rock's whole face lighting up as he hears a starlet enthused that hamburg is the gayest city in germany There's Rock making a uh, promise to Kirk Douglas. I'll come for you at sundown. I'll be waiting for you, Kirk replies. There's also a freeze frame of Rock looking at his perennial, quote-unquote, best friend, Tony Tony Randall, with naked, blatant, and undisguised lust. Okay.
1: Well, Paul, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe, because I do not agree.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Paul, it's interesting. I About 50% of Paul's reviews, I think, are right on the money, and the other half, I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> it's so weird.
1: But see, maybe if you're up in Duluth, Minnesota, or whatever, what we are seeing is like, and again, back, what, a year after it came out or something like that, you know, maybe yeah. it is refreshing and different and fun, whereas you and I are sitting here in 2019 being like, okay, clear. Yeah.
0: Uh, seen it before, but like, yeah, maybe, I mean, if you're in some area where you don't have a lot of uh, gay friends and you're, you're feeling not seen, you see this and you're like, Oh yeah, I was seeing that there is something to mm-hmm. it. So I guess um, I have to respect that point of view.
1: You have to respect it.
0: Uh, what else? Oh, the other weird thing is like, so two of Rock Hudson's starring roles, Magnificent Obsession and All That Heaven Allows The leading lady was Jane Wyman, who was Ronald Reagan's first wife, uh, who he left for Nancy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is so interesting. And this is like, if Ryan Murphy, if you're listening to me, here's a pitch: (laughs) do like feud Hudson Reagan or something (laughs) through the years, because like it's so crazy that this man, I mean, was a much bigger star than Ronald Reagan at the time, and then Ronald Reagan became president, and basically fucking killed yes. Rock Hudson's entire community yeah. um, in the 80s. Yeah. I don't know what to say about that, even though it, I guess it's just ironic. It's weird. It
1: is. They do touch on it for a second in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is like, you're like, was Ronald Reagan petty or just soulless?
0: <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. I was going to both. Uh, someone, yeah, with without empathy, I guess, or just someone who loved and craved power so much that um well i mean i
1: think that's both if you choose yeah. to go from mean, to actor to president yeah i mean <laughs> well. look
0: at gabrielle carteris the sag <laughs> sag president now i mean watch out uh i do going back to the no, i do think like and i guess the sag election is over and she won but i do feel like her, that whole show is just sort of an endorsement video of like gabby is andrea she will get shit done yes. she is like the the class president yeah and actors are so stupid that like they think anyone who plays a certain type of character on TV, they Must are really be that, that right.
1: That's her inside. She can handle it.
0: Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about Rock Hudson's home movies? No, I'm really proud of us for watching it all the
1: way through. Yeah,
0: it was. I mean, honestly, one of the longest 62 <laughs> minutes of my <laughs> life. Uh, but I'm still glad I watched it, and so glad that you came here to talk about it, um, Naomi. Yes. As I do with everyone who is on this podcast. I ask if you, I, and the ghost of Paul Rowan were to collaborate on a third volume of High Camp, uh, what movie would you nominate to be on the list?
1: Okay, stay with me. Yeah. Gremlins 2, The New Batch.
0: I love a good sequel.
1: Okay, now, that is the Gremlin movie where um, Gizmo, he's living so you know, it's Phoebe Cates and the guy whose name I can't remember. They're together. They're in New York because after the events of the first Gremlins, they said get out of this goddamn town. So they moved to New York City. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. working in a um what was literally like at the time like meant to be like a rip-off on like a Trump tower. And like the guy who was like a Trump type guy, but it's you know, like supposed to be, you know, the the most technologically advanced, tallest office building in the world. People are taking tours and everything like that. And um, Gizmo gets caught. He gets caught in, you know, insanity in the office building leading to him reproducing and then making more gremlins but then they get found because, of course, there's like some R&D going on in this building and this leads us to multiple types of gremlins, Ooh. okay? We have a gremlin that lives in the electrical wiring. We have a gremlin that Somehow he gets a big brain. He drinks a serum that has a sticker br- of a brain on it, so you know it makes him smart. And so that gremlin starts to talk like this and give reviews of motion pictures. Um, Just like uh,
0: Eric Farr in Rock Hudson's home movies.
1: Truly. There is a sexy lady gremlin in a two-piece bikini wow. with very big, puffy red lips, okay? It is also such a commentary on itself. At one point, Leonard Maltlin, Maltin, Maltin, yeah. Malton, thank you, appears in in the movie as himself reviewing the movie cute and then at another time okay and this is for me this is where the camp comes in okay then at one point there is hulk hogan and they pull out to make it to reveal hulk hogan is in a movie theater watching the gremlins movie that we're all watching and somebody is distracting and then hulk hogan turns and yells at them and then it turns out he's yelling at other gremlins
0: Whoa, so it's like meta meta gremlins.
1: Yes. So I feel like it's just very can be layer on layer, you know, the heterosexual love is thwarted by the gremlins overrunning the place. You oh, know, wow. they are separated the entire film. And like until the very end, because the idea's like, she gets locked somewhere, he's gotta figure out how to do it. And it's kind of like to all like, you know, um, manage the gremlins, there's a woman who's a femme fatale who ends up in a web. Who ends up by a from a gremlin? You know, I shouldn't give too much away. I think you need to just watch the yeah, second yeah, yeah. Gremlins, and I need you to tell me that it's not camp.
0: I gotta say, th- these are movies that I guess I never really saw as a kid, and so I've seen is is Gremlins one the one the one with like the the famous Christmas monologue. Yes, okay, yes, I've seen that clip a lot, and I've probably seen the whole movie through. And I I don't think I've ever seen Gremlins the too. So I need is to like
1: literally one of my favorite films. I need to get on <laughs> it's it. So. Uh, nuts.
0: Yeah, there's so many. All those like little creature movies. I think my parents yes. maybe thought I was too scaredy, like too uh-huh. much of a scaredy cat to watch yeah. them. It's like Dark Crystal I've never seen. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember seeing it. Chucky, like all those ones I Chucky just never. Chucky terrified me for years. I bet, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Gremlins too. Can't wait. So are the gremlins the queer gays? Is that, <laughs> Are they a metaphor for, the like you said, the thwarting of heterosexual love?
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I I definitely didn't watch it that way. <laughs> but you know, now that we've been talking camp, I'm like, Perhaps I mean, the Gremlins are certainly queer.
0: We need to call up uh, Mark Rappaport and have him make a documentary about Gremlins too,
1: <laughs> with just clips from Gremlins. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. And then, but not the movie. And
0: then us as like Gremlins in like a fedora, talking like a weird '40s Gremlin, <laughs> talking about I don't know uh, what a master. Mark Rappaport. No, you know he tried his best with very little. Like he had to like literally cut these VHS tapes himself. Yeah, VHS. It must have taken a long time. Uh, well, that does it. Thank you so much Thanks for being for here. Me. Naomi, I'm sure you have a lot of stuff to plug. Where where can we see you? Where can we hear you?
1: Well, you can always check out my podcast, Couples Therapy, yes. where we have comedians doing sets together about their relationship and we answer relationship questions. We're also a live show the first Saturday of every month in LA. And you know, if you want to talk about gremlins, hit me up on Twitter <laughs> at Blacktress
0: uh thank you you can follow this podcast at high camp pod on instagram and twitter follow me at Ruckerbry instagram and twitter uh listen to my other podcast goop yourself it comes out every friday and i'll talk to you guys soon bye